Welcome to Through the Bible with Dr. Buddy Walls. Today's Bible study is on Prophecy Part 1. Prophecy Part 1. You cannot understand the book of Leviticus without the book of Hebrews. You cannot understand Isaiah 53 without the Gospels. You cannot understand Daniel without Revelation. So we need to complete revelation of God to have a complete understanding of the things God is talking about in the Bible. This becomes clear when one reads in the Bible that the very prophets who wrote the Bible really did not understand it. They did not have the complete revelation. The Bible uses three types of language. Number one, it uses figurative language. An example of figurative language is when Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead in Matthew 8.22. And you know that corpses do not go around burying other corpses. By the way, the Walking Dead television series about zombies is total nonsense. That is figurative language he was using. Also, the meaning of figurative language is always clear from the context where you find it. Number two, then there is symbolic language. The Bible uses thousands of symbols, and these symbols always represent something else. For example, the four beasts of the book of Daniel, we are told, represent kingdoms. The symbols that are found are always explained in the context where they are found and somewhere else in the scripture. People say, well, you cannot understand the book of Revelation. I had a Sunday school teacher tell me one time, he wished that they would take Revelation out of the book because he said nobody can understand it anyway. He was only showing his stupidity. Every symbol in Revelation is explained somewhere in the Bible, and most of them are found in the book of Revelation itself. Number three, finally, the most commonly used language in the Bible is literal language. If you can take it literally, that is the way you need to take it. If the plain sense makes sense, take no other sense. The Bible means what it says, where it says it, and how it says it. People should not try to change it around, so there is no mistaking when the Bible is literal. The way you can tell when someone knows a passage of Scripture is literal, to be taken literally, and they do not like it, is when you read a verse to them and they say, well, that is your interpretation. Or they'll say, well, you can take the Bible and teach anything you want to teach. Yet all you're doing is reading a verse to them. They know what it means, but they are rejecting it. You ought to take everything in the Bible literally if it, if it can be taken that way. There is no fooling around with God. We need to avoid allegorizing Scripture. We need to avoid spiritualizing scripture. There are people who would spiritualize the whole Bible away until it did not really mean anything and they were through with it. There are three things we need to avoid when we are handling the Word of God. Number one, one of these is misinterpretations. For example, if I told you to open your Bibles to John chapter 3, verse 5, and it says, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, born of water, 
and of the spirit he cannot enter to the kingdom of God. But I say, except a man be born of water and the blood, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Then I said, you see there, you have to be baptized to be saved. That is misinterpretation. John chapter 3, verse 5 is not talking about baptism at all. There are no baptisms within 20 feet, uh, within 20 verses of John chapter 3. Number two, then there is a misapplication of Scripture. If I told you to turn in your Bible to Acts chapter 2, verse 38, it would say, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And then I said this applies to you. That would be a misapplication of Scripture. Acts 2.38 does not apply to you. You are not a Jew in Jerusalem. You are a Gentile, and that passage does not apply to you at all. This verse is a foundational verse for the charismatic movement and is a misapplication of Scripture. Number three, finally, there is a dislocation of Scripture. If I went back to the scriptures and told you to go to the book of Isaiah chapters 50 through 53 and we read them and I said, those promises are to be applied spiritually to the church. That is a dislocation because those promises are to be applied literally to the nation of Israel and the kingdom. They have nothing to do with the church. So we need to be careful about scripture. The trouble is that people are not willing to let the uh, Bible say what it says, where it says it. They are not willing to do that. They want to change it. They want to correct it, and they want to interpret it. They want to do this and that instead of just letting the Bible say what it wants to say. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Study to show thyself approved unto God. Now, if you are a Christian who never studies the Bible, you are not approved. Your life is unapproved. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. The problem is that people do not take the time and the effort to study out and rightly divide the word of truth. It is really amazing the number of Christians who want to be spoon-fed. If this is what you want, you are a baby. If you are too lazy to get the food out, take the lid off of the jar yourself, get the spoon and eat it, you are a baby. There are too many Christians that way. They never study their Bible. They want to be spoon-fed everything about it. You should develop the habit that when you have a question about Scripture, first of all, you do everything you can to find the answer before you go ask someone else. Learn how to use the Word of God. Learn how to get around it. Learn how to use the concordances. Learn how to use it, whatever you need to use it to get the answers that you're looking for. Then you cannot find it. If you cannot find it, go ask somebody. I don't mind questions. I like questions. The trouble is that people do not let the scriptures say what they want to say. They want to interpret them. There are four things we have to know if we want to rightly divide the word of truth. Number one, we have to know, first of all, who is, he, who is speaking in any given passage. Is God talking? Is it Moses or the Apostle Paul? Who is that that is speaking? 
Number two, secondly, to whom is that person speaking? Is he speaking to Israel nationally? Is he talking to a church? Is he speaking to an individual Christian, Gentiles, or the heathen? To whom is he directing the message? Number three. Third, what is he talking about in the scripture? It is amazing that an individual Christian will pick up his Bible, read two or three chapters, and say that he had read the, his Bible today. Well, what's it about? I do not know is the usual, usual response. Christians have devotion in the morning, and by 9 o'clock at night, they have forgotten what it was they have read about. They do not know what it is about. Ask yourself some questions while you are reading the book. Find out what it is doing and what it is talking about. Fourth, find out when it's taking place. What dismissation is it? Ask yourself, does this apply to the church age or does it apply to the millennial kingdom or the tribulation? Does it apply to Israel in the land or does it apply to Israel in their dispensation? What dispensation is it talking about in the scriptures? If you will answer those questions while you are studying any given passage, you will not get into heresy. It is impossible to rightly divide the word of truth without doing these things. If you are not doing them, it will also lead to every kind of heresy there is. Every single false teaching that is found comes from not rightly dividing the word of truth. Do not ever try to make the Bible say something that it does not say. So, what is prophecy? Let us allow the Bible to tell us what prophecy is from the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 1, beginning in verse 1 and 2. The Bible says, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass, and he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John, who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. That tells us that John, who was a prophet, bore record of the word of God, and John also bore record of the testimony of Jesus Christ. With this in mind, let us look at Revelation chapter 19. John bore record of the testimony of Jesus Christ. Revelation chapter 19, beginning in verse 9. And he saith unto me, Right, blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are true sayings of God. And I fell at his feet to worship. And he said unto me, See thou do it not. I am thy fellow servant and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Worship God for the testimony of Jesus, the spirit of prophecy. So the testimony of Jesus Christ is the spirit, spirit of prophecy. The one that John bowed down to said, I am one of your fellow servants. He said that he was a prophet too, a fellow prophet. I am like you are, John. You are a prophet, and I am a prophet. And what we are ordained to do is to give the testimony of Jesus Christ. Prophecy is the testimony of Jesus Christ. That is all it is according to the definition given in Scripture. Revelation chapter 22, beginning in verse 8. Revelation 22, 8, 9. And I, John, saw these things and heard them. And when I had heard and seen, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel which showed me these things. 
Then saith he unto me, See thou do it not, for I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren the prophets, and of them which keep the sayings of this book, worship God. The one John is bound to is one of the prophets. The prophet tells John that he needs to stay with the testimony of Jesus, and his testimony is the spirit of prophecy. First Peter chapter one beginning in verse six. First Peter chapter one beginning in verse six. If prophecy is the testimony of Jesus, we must conclude that the entire Bible is the testimony of Jesus Christ, from Genesis to Revelation. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, the Bible says, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold, that perisheth, though it tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, ye love, and whom though now you see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy, unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls, and of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who have, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what or what manner of time Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand. You see, prophecy is the testimony of Jesus through the prophets. The Spirit of Christ testifies beforehand. The Bible says the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. Unto him it was revealed that not unto themselves, in other words, not unto the prophets which did testify, but unto us, that means New Testament church age saints, they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look upon. Now I'd like to share, uh, ask you one question before I close. Are you 100% sure that you're going to heaven? Now, if you're 35%, 50%, 75%, even 99% sure that you're going to heaven, I've got some bad news. You're not going to make it. You know the Bible wants you to be 100% sure that you're going to heaven. It says in the book of 1 John chapter uh, 5, verse 13, it says that you may know that you have eternal life. God wants you to know that you have eternal life. So the very first thing you have to do as a Christian is recognize that you are a sinner. We all are sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. And when we recognize that, then we have to do something about it. You know, you can repent a thousand times and won't do you one bit of good until you actually have a change of mind. In other words, go a different direction. In other words, you have to forsake that sin. We have to forsake that sin. And then... We got to believe on the finished work of the cross. Believe that Jesus come as uh, God in the flesh, was crucified on an old rugged cross, put in a borrowed tomb, and three days later he rose from the grave. He was resurrected. We have to believe that with all our hearts and minds. When we do that, the Bible says we shall be saved. It don't say you might be. It says you shall be saved, and that's what we have to do to gain eternal life. 
I hope you enjoyed this. And until next time, Dr. Buddy Wall signing off.